0: This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast, hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins, along with Sea Eagles premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association, Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. It's the first try! Manly have scored! The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to Cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest... And welcome
1: to another episode of the Golden Eagles Podcast. Boxy, who's our special guest today? First of all, you're looking well, Boxy.
2: Oh, thanks, mate. Um, after a, yeah, uh, a big weekend, too many schooners. Um, <laughs> feeling feeling very chipper.
1: Well, uh, you're looking good, mate. And uh, who's our special Golden Eagle guest today?
2: Special guest today, uh, another absolute gentleman of the Eagles. Uh, player number five five three, Tommy Simons, T Red. Welcome, Tommy.
3: Yeah, cheers, mate. So uh, great to be here with a couple of legends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you, mate. You're very kind. Tommy, good to have you, mate. Uh, now, uh, we're going to go through your career. Now, you were born in Paddington, and obviously you were, you, you played for the Sydney Roosters, but you junior footy, Bondi United, and that famous club, Clavelli Crocodiles. Tell us about junior forty days.
3: Yeah, you've done your research well there, cousin, mate. <laughs> it's um, called Wikipedia. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> there was no mistakes on the wiki page. Um, <laughs> No, you're right. So, I was, yeah, very eastern suburbs. Uh, you know, growing up over there, born at Paddington, like you said. School at Clovelly and Randwick. Uh, Bondi United was my junior club. Um, a lot of family history at Bondi United. My my grandfather, in particular, uh, Yuko. He he helped uh, found the club. So. I was definitely born into my footy dad and, and the family was well and truly ingrained in it and big Roosters fans. So that's where it all started, mate. Uh, you know, grew up over there and went through the Roosters junior pathways. But junior footy was great. Uh, got a lot of fond, fond memories and, and good mates, even from, you know, playing as young as six all the way up to adulthood, I suppose.
1: So were you a Roosters fan growing up then? And who were your favorite players?
3: Yeah, I, I was, uh, like I said, a bit by default. Um, <laughs> Whatever dad supports, that's what you support. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have much choice in the matter. I think uh, when I first started watching, I probably would have liked to have gone for whoever was winning, but that quickly got uh, taken straight out of me. And I was a Roosters fan. Um, by the time, you know, I was uh, probably, you know, early teens, the Roosters were in a bit of a purple patch anyway. So turned into a good few years to be a supporter. We used to go out to the games uh, with my old man. Sort of early two thousands, um, watching Freddie, he was probably the the hero, like uh, as he was for a lot, a lot of kids back then. So earliest, um, you know, supporter memories were probably watching, you know, those few years of of dominance, even though they didn't get all the grand final wins. They were uh, dominant for a few years, and that probably was my my most um, you know memorable experience from going to the footy and supporting growing up.
1: Well, going from the junior footy and your love for the Roosters at an early age, you play under twenties for the Roosters, two thousand eight and two thousand nine, and then you make your NRL debut for the Roosters against Penrith, two thousand nine. A great moment obviously for you, but for your family being entrenched in Roosters in that history, what did it mean to you and the family?
3: Yeah, it was a big moment. Uh, I think you know I was quite nervous when it, when it came about. Um, I probably never set my sights overly high growing up. I kind of just went from year to year and you know each grade moved up as it comes so I didn't really set my sights too high so when it when the moment came to make my debut um it actually was Freddie who was the coach at the time pulled me out of the 20s and said come train for a couple of weeks and I thought oh that's you know this is pretty cool I'll do that and then I think one week he said oh mate you, you better get ready because you chance of playing and it sort of took me by surprise and um yeah so a couple of weeks later I was I was out in the field extremely nervous but um yeah it was a, a great moment for me and my family extremely nervous long day leading into the debut they always are aren't they yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, they made it um, a pretty special day in a, a week. They had um, Luke Rickardson come present my jersey. He was, um, he was also a Bondi United junior, um, probably the last time before me there wasn't there's not many too, too many ju- uh, Roosters juniors. So mm-hmm. they made a deal of that, got Rico to come out and give me the jersey. Um, Freddie was there and they got, you know, some of my family to come along for that presentation. And then obviously game day. We ended up getting whipped, but um, it was a <laughs> good day for me anyway. Good day for you. That's, <laughs> that's all that counts.
1: So 27 games for the Roosters from 2009 to 2012, and then in March 2013, due to uh, Roosters salary cap pressure, you uh, signed with the Seagulls. Tell us how bad all that came about, and how did you feel at the time?
3: Yeah, like you said, mate, I was a few years there, I was at the Roosters, and uh, probably didn't fully establish myself. I'd, I'd played a, a, a few games of first grade, obviously, but I had a lot of injuries as well. Spent a fair bit of my time in the rehab ward and surgeries, a couple of times with a busted shoulder. So I probably uh, started off my career at the Roosters Okay, had a lot of injuries, wasn't traveling all that well um, by managing to stay on the field. And then, yeah, I guess by the time 13 rolled around, I was at a bit of a crossroads, you could say. Um, I was coming off, I think, my, my third shoulder reconstruction and I hadn't played much footy in 2012. And I guess the opportunity came up a little bit. As you said, there was salary cap pressure at the Roosters. I've always been someone to have a pretty open... Um, conversation whether it be with you know the the club or coach or teammates so you know that started a bit of a conversation with Trent Robertson and the Roosters and you know it's fair to say we had um, some guys that I would have started the year battling for position with you know you got you know, guys who who went on to play rep footy in, in boy corner at Aiden Guerra in my position Sonny Bill came in obviously so probably going to be a bit of an uphill battle at least to start with and a chance to come up to go to Manly and I um yeah it didn't take me too long to think about it I came over and checked out the place and decided, yeah, this is, this is the right thing for me.
2: Not a bad part of the world to move to either. I mean, Bondi, getting so used to the beaches and, you know, I suppose even the culture over that way, you know, the Sydney beaches cultures, you know, something pretty special and something that, you know, when you come down, I was on scholarship at the Roosters, I think when I was 16, 15 or 16, we used to come down for camps and, you know, for us from Cootamundra. So come down oh. the beach and then, the, you know, the Bondi Beach Hotel and all this sort of thing. We're only 16, but, you know, we started <laughs> the time.
1: So that's where it all started, Boxy. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Now, uh, your first season at the Seagulls, Tommy. Um, obviously, uh, a good season for the Seagulls. who finished fourth overall. Roosters finished minor premiers. Ironically, you play the Roosters <laughs> in the grand final. Unfortunately, we went down 26-18. But, well, before we go into that, 2013's final series. You scored a great try from a charge down against South Sydney Rabbitohs. Changed the game. Person told me about that today. You said unbelievable performance. That person, Maddie Ballon. So there's <laughs> uh, a, not a bad rap. Uh,
3: Maddie Ballon, a good man, sexiest man league. Yeah. So that he in said, life.
1: mate, it wasn't for that. He said it was a big moment. Do you remember that moment?
3: Yeah, I, I do. Um, yeah, Especially now, I'll probably give myself a few more raps now. That I'm not playing anymore. Um, now nah, it's definitely a, a moment that probably um, I remember following, but also people bring up a little bit. Mm. I'm not sure what it was. It's was obviously a big game. was in the prelim. Probably sealed or you know took the game out of reach for mm. South. And probably that moment. Uh, because it took the scoreline out to, I can't remember the score, but it took it out to, you know, within, took us to the next week, basically, because sort of got to enjoy the next 10 minutes, um, walked back from that try and all sort of celebrated together as a team. It was a pretty cool moment, had a lot of friends and family at the game. Yeah. Those are the, the moments to look back on now. I think, yeah, that, that's pretty cool.
1: Now, how did you feel when you, you know, playing the Roosters? Grand final week, obviously a bit of media attention, all those type of stories, come from the Roosters, Roosters border going growing up. How was your preparation and that leading to that, your first NRL grand final?
3: It was a really good week and something I look back on with a lot of good memories. Uh, we had a really good team and, and a good crew of mates, so... I definitely did soak it up. The week for me was pretty uh, surreal and a bit strange, really, having only just come over from the Roosters six months earlier. Either way, the result went. It was probably, um, you know, would have been looked back as a bit of a funny moment for me having just got there. So obviously it didn't work out how I would have wanted. And, you know, I still look back at that de- day now with, um, yeah, a bit of sadness. We are up and probably should have got the victory having, look, you know, look back at the score and how long was to go couple of dodgy calls as well probably didn't help us but yeah it, it's uh certainly one of those ones it's funny uh, having been at the roosters and grown up there for you know so long and uh missed out on that day but the thing was i, I probably would never change that i just wish we had gone on and got the victory for Manly. so a mm. uh, bit of a shame mate but it's uh, a funny year for me yeah, it was. I remember
2: <clears throat> watching this one. We were on our way back because I'd just retired, finished in England, and we were in Dubai and was stuck in a bar with all these rooster supporters. And there was me, rooster supporters, and, in rooster Dubai. supporters in Dubai, and this one, <laughs> That's Se- like. this one seagulls guy. And he found me out. He said, "Mate, I'm going to sit with you because I can tell these guys are all roosters fans." <laughs> yeah, we went for it. But mate, it was it was one of those things. It was so good to be yeah, being there in the grand final was unbelievable. But I tell you, you know that that feeling of. Losing one is just—it's just the worst feeling yeah. on earth. You can't actually describe it, you know. Mm. And when you look back and you have a look at the calls that probably should have gone our way and how that could have changed the game, um, yeah, disappointing. But you know, played with a you know amongst an unbelievable team. I was um, just look one.
1: look at the team: Brett Stewart, George Tafua, Jamie Lyon, captain Steve Matai, David Williams, Kieran Foran, Daly Cherry-Evans, B.J. Brenton, Lawrence, Matty Ballon, Brent Kite, Anthony Watmo, Justin Horrow. Glenn Stewart in the bench, Tommy Simons, David Gower, Jamie Bure and George Rose. So Mm. you look at that and you look at those names of Manly over the last couple of years and when we reflect on some of the great players, like, like I said, it's still a great season. Finished fourth overall to get to the grand final. Yep
2: done really well and you look yeah as you said those guys some of those guys playing in their fourth grand final together I mean if you look at back at some of them and you know we've talked to him, Matty you know to, to Wolfie and a few of those guys but I always talk about Stevie Maddoy and how you know yeah. how special he was I mean obviously you know the Stewart boys Chock, um you know Brent Kite you know unbelievable players
3: but Stevie was just un- he was just a great player to play with wasn't oh, he? absolute legend he's probably one of the most underrated mm. um players as someone that all his teammates absolutely love. I think that's someone I would commonly say is one of my favorite teammates ever. Um, Skippy Meadows, is a great man. I probably didn't like him all that much before I met him, <laughs> before I got to play with him. And then, um, yeah, I absolutely loved him. It's funny you just mentioned the lineup there because I hadn't thought about it all that much. But you look back on it and that, you know, particularly the, the starting lineup, mm. full of quality players. You, to win a comp these days, you, you probably do have standout players. But there's a whole list of really genuine, good quality players there rep players so I look back and think I'm pretty lucky to have come into a squad
1: now um, sitting on the bench obviously you are focused but we had a man in he's a great friend of ours and the podcast Georgie Rose you just must have some good laughs at times with <laughs> Georgie you got anything special from maybe grand final week or just memories of Georgie he's pretty laid
3: back big Rosie isn't he <laughs> um yeah there's a couple of times throughout that final series sitting on the bench together it's obviously high stress I think I'd probably be you know yelling out or you know wondering when we're going to get on or wondering, you know, how the game's going and Rosie, you just look over and he's just chilling, doesn't, doesn't mind what's going on. He'll get out there and cart it up once he gets, gets on and <laughs> he's not too stressed. I think that was one day, might've been a trial game or, you know, early in the season one year, we both had a run around for Reggie's at Brookie over one day in typical Rosie fashion. I think, you know, the the standard was get to the game about an hour and a half before or two hours. And it was about 40 minutes to go and anyone said, anyone's seen Rosie, you know, I think he rolled in about, 26 minutes ago, uh, about <laughs> a minute before warm-up, just strolled in, casual as you like, rolled out and had a blinder. So,
2: so, so casual, he's barely got a heartbeat to be blasted, <laughs> you
1: know. And then you look at other people like Matty Ballins, he's just all about preparation and intensity and, you know.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, all these weird little habits, you know, everyone's got their own, all weird little habits. You know, some blokes shower before the game, you know, Matt used to put his boots on in a particular way and yeah, it's it's quite weird. What about Tuves? What yeah. was your, you know, Tuves for me was our assistant coach when I played and obviously he took on the head coach role um, after uh, Des departed for the Bulldogs. Uh, what, what were your memories of Tuves? What, what was he like as a coach to be coached by?
3: Yeah, really good. I, I look back really fondly um, of my time with Tooves. It was probably what I really needed at that moment in time when I'd got there from the Roosters. As I said, when I was younger, I played under Freddie and was probably doing okay at that point. had some injuries and was under Brian Smith for a while who has a very different coaching uh, method than someone like Tubbs and probably analyzes the game and, you know, has certain things he might look for in players or certain positions. When I rocked up to Manly, and Toos was the coach and it was pretty much like this for the whole time. He, he made it pretty simple for me. He said, you know, do what you do well. I didn't have to sort of be a cardboard cutout or, um, you know, reach a certain stat for certain things. If I was contributing to the team in a way that, worked for me and was you know helping the team then that was the main thing obviously you know you might have focus areas that you need to improve on or or you know do well but Tuve sort of took the pressure off and I realized that there was a whole different way of playing footy particularly as a you know an NRL team it was we don't really mind how we get this done let's get in there rip in together you know play to your strengths basically yeah so Tuve sort of led that whole environment shift for me and it was great at the time
1: one of the great things about your career Tommy was obviously your versatility you know, your players love to have one set position, but centre, 5'8", lock, second row, i probably miss a few positions. <laughs> um, How did you find that? Did you enjoy that that role in the team or would you just prefer to try to lock down one position? Obviously in that 2013 team, your first season, very hard with that quality of players, but the rest of that used at the Seagulls, were you disappointed that you couldn't lock down a permanent position or were you also just happy, like I said, to play wherever and carry that utility tag, which is so vital?
3: Yeah, it's probably not something that, you know, I was too worried about. I certainly at times, you know, might've been frustrated even, you know, there's a couple of years I might've been starting every week, but even if we had an injury at that point, I'd be the one to shift out. But that's kind of the role I had. And if that was a position I was able to cover for us in the team then that's obviously a good thing so I certainly don't look back as a bad thing and when I was growing up I played you know 5-8 for a lot a, a bit of the old school lock which is a bit back more in vogue now so mm. uh, perhaps if I had to come through now maybe I would have been playing a bit more lock forward and then um, yeah ended up most of the time in the back row didn't have all that much speed because I felt found myself out in the centers quite a lot with uh <laughs> I think Skivvy used to go down one out of two games. So by the end of end of my time, I was <laughs> out in the centres <laughs> of heavy. covering for him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so I didn't mind too much, cause I, and obviously off the bench, you know, you don't necessarily know what your, your role is going to be on game day. But um, yeah, I think that was you know overall you need someone like that in the team. So if it helped me or helped the team, then that was that was fine by me. We touched before on memories. There's one that stands out, and it's always played.
1: And you know, I think you know the one I'm talking about down there at Brookie near Lauderdale, as we call it. Penrith, the great comeback. Tommy Simon scores in the corner. Crowd goes absolutely berserk. Recall the vision, you go berserk. <laughs> Take us through that try. That was one of those most
3: unbelievable games down there. Yeah, that's, uh, again, Cuz, that's probably one of the, the fond memories I've got. I don't actually think all that much about previous games. It's more the time you spend with the boys or look back and, and that's what you talk about when we meet up. But if you go back to actual on-field memories, that was definitely one of them. Um, we'd had a really good year. I think we were, I think we finished equal first that year. Mm-hmm correct me if i'm wrong but yeah that game was that rookie we didn't play overly well it was the last game of the, the season perhaps yep. so the panthers were you know playing much better than us on, at the time killer had probably one of the the rare times he played you know 10 minutes of bad footy that i'd ever seen and by the end of the game we needed something something special and yeah the, the i think we scored just before maybe two in the last 10 minutes but that last one killer took it on his own uh, we put a bomb up and he he pulled pulled something out of the air um, I just happened to be bludgeoning out wide, and the ball enough of my <laughs> hands, and I, uh, you know, run and dived over in the corner. But that was, yeah, again, that was awesome. You look back on that, like you said, the vision's pretty cool. It was a full, uh, full house at Brookie. You know, I think someone sent it through this year when COVID was on. You you realize, oh, how how cool it is to actually have a full crowd. So yeah, that was an absolute ripper day. And I think to top it off, it was um, Father's Day week. And so we had all. I think mean, we had all our dads there. So after the game, we celebrated. With them, that was pretty cool. I think it might have been Golden Eagles Day. That oh, there you go. I think I
2: think it was as well Both. because because I remember there was one scene where we had all the dads there. And because yeah, the, so the so Father's well. Day thing was something that was awesome. Was brought in back when I when I was playing. It was it's so awesome to see the all the dads come down. You know, watching the game, having a beer with all their boys. So it was great because we're in the corner and um yeah and the boys got the got it was the yeah
3: no, it's it doubled up and that's pretty cool as well as a um current player so. Then any other Golden Eagles who want to get down there on um, Golden Eagles Day? It's a pretty cool experience as a current player to run out with all the former players there. And, yeah, I think that's something that we can build on as a club.
1: Mm. Now, touching on the Golden Eagles, we did see you at the Golden Eagles Golf Day, and you are one of many former players. Uh, and obviously, Mark being heavily involved as uh, the chairman and the coordinator the ring and the ringleader and everything else he does. He does a wonderful job. Just Just job. <laughs> When you go back to you know your career's over and you go back to a Golden Eagles day what does it do for you
3: I uh, I love that stuff uh, to be honest Kazo when I was a player um something that I really enjoyed and valued was um camaraderie you know culture team culture um and I still do and um you know that's why when the opportunity comes up to you know get involved with Golden Eagles or um any sort of former player reconnecting with with guys I've grown up with or played with I'll I'll jump at it so for me I love it it's good to see Boxy, I won't piss in your pocket, mate, but you've done you've done a riffer <laughs> job, mate. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tony. Um, and it's coming a long way. It's good to see it building. Sometimes when players leave clubs, they you know find it hard to stay connected or don't want to or for, for one reason or another um, drift off. But if there's a core gang there that stick together and have a good time, then it, it's something you can build on. Yeah, I really love it. The golf day was was unreal. A ripper course at, at Monash. It's good to catch up with a lot of guys I played with and some older players too and have a few uh, – few coldies. It was, it was a great day. Tommy was the one who dragged me down to,
2: down to Brookvale pub after it.
3: <laughs> I wasn't putting up with much of a fight though, was I, Tommy? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're, we're both twisting each yeah. other's arms, I think, so. Well, um, he did a good job that day because apart from
1: organizing everything else, he was also in charge of the drinks cart. Him and uh, the Foz Jerry obviously for couldn't play, yeah. but uh, yeah, he was in a little cage driving around and... Yeah, you pretty much enjoyed yourself. It
2: was good, mate. It was really good just to have, as Tommy said, you know, a lot of a lot of blokes from different eras mm. um, come in and have a great time. You know, there's no just come down, play golf, have a few beers. That was really good. Yeah, I got to drive a cart with with Foz. Uh, like I know Foz, I never got to play mm. um, with him, but I think definitely great to have him back. You know, when Tom talks about camaraderie and culture and, and things like that, you know, Foz experienced that back in our, I suppose, mm. our, our golden era, if you'd like to call it that. So I think he's going to be key, um, you yeah, know, with Chez, um, probably Jake as well, mm. um, to helping bring that bring that back. Uh, and, you know, when before he got injured, he he was one of the best cut halves in the competition. So I, I think he's going to be really great for our squad next mm. year.
1: Sure will be. Okay, well, so what we'll do now is we'll take a, uh, a quick break here from our sponsor. We're back talking more great rugby league memories with Tom Simons.
0: The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormold, a classic sponsor of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit wormald.com.au.
1: And welcome back to our second half chat with Tom Simon, Seagull number 553, 65 games for Manly from 2013 to 2016. Tommy, we um, you talk about culture, the camaraderie with different players. Obviously, you had so many teammates. Which teammates stood out for you in terms of maybe athleticism? First of all, their football ability. And then second of all, we touched on like Georgie Rose, but the characters, who stood out for you?
3: Yeah, that's It's probably a whole list I could talk to. As um, a few that spring to mind, I think as a, as a young player coming through watching Manly um, before I got there, um, obviously having had some success in grand finals and, and winning a couple of players that I uh, really loved watching was Glenn Stewart and Jamie Lyon, particularly on that right edge. And fortunately, when I got there, I, I actually managed to spend a bit of time um, working with Gifty um, when he was the other team, playing over there a little bit. And then when he left, um, playing on that side with Killer. And that was pretty cool. You know, standing next to Killer, you watch some of the stuff he can do at training. Don't ask me how he did it because he, he didn't train all that hard and he um he doesn't look that fit, but geez, yep. he gets out there, he'll win a race, he'll win a fitness test, chip over the top anytime yep. you want. He's an absolute freak. Pick up a golf club, pick up a yep. tennis racket. He could do whatever, grab a pool stick. He's
2: one of those blokes, similar to Beaver. He's just an asshole that can do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of those frustrating pricks that you have to you come up against in something. It's like, how did you do that? I thought I had you at that. You know, marbles, whatever it was. But yeah, he was a, he was a freakish player yeah. and, and 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 gifty. Like we caught up with gifty. He was at the at the golf day as well. Good to see the gift. Great man, loves mm. a beer. He was just I always yeah you know, tell this to people. Who was the you know the, probably the, who's the best football you played against? So obviously Beaver comes up in there a lot. And there's some guys I play with in Canberra like Ruben Wiki. But gifty could do it all. He could run. Um, he could. Tackle. He could pass. He could kick. You know, like um, he he just he was phenomenal. And that that right hand side um, that he I suppose that he created with Killer there for us was was just phenomenal. And that's when Killer played six, and and Killer didn't like playing
3: six. He wanted to stay out in the centres <laughs> a bit. Mm. But um, but yeah, he was he was he was just unbelievable. Yeah, lift. absolute freak. And then on the other side, you had Steve Maddies, I touched on before, who um, you know, I didn't fair to say I didn't like him all that much um, when I was playing against him. And I went over and I absolutely loved him. One, he was you know, on the field, he was so tough. He actually was so impressive. He was really skillful, skillful, took all these tough carries and off the field, the nicest (laughs) guy you'll ever meet. You wouldn't believe it, but he he wasn't. Now they had Foz over there. And then, so I guess that older crew um, was really cool to come in um, and play with. But then on the other side, there was um, a lot of players that we're all sort of young coming through together or similar age um, that I've now sort of become best mates with. And we had some good times over that that four years you know Look, you look at jamie bureau daily cherry evans mm. justin horro to name a few these guys i was you know really close mates with and still am and, and look back on you know the times i said before where when we catch up um we probably talk about the off-field moments more than the on but um yeah a really good sort of crew of guys that i'm still close with now
1: it's funny how you touch on steve Matt. i like hard competitor on the field, and then you think, oh, what's this bloke going to be like when you meet him? I know when I first joined Manly in 2015 and uh, had to meet Jeff and the players for the first time after having you know, eight years at the West Tigers before that, and so you go over there and I uh, think, oh, Steve Maddie and you think, oh, he's going to be intimidating, but uh, like you said, Tommy, one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet, made you feel so welcome, um, and then, yeah, you look back, and I, and I remember the first year I started, there was a great segment on the Seagulls website that Tommy used to run all the time. <laughs> Tommy Talks, Tommy Talks was a great popular video segment. Used to watch, he, I used to watch it in England. Yeah, all the time. yeah, yeah. Do well, there you go. You're our, <laughs> you our overseas listener. I watch it. <laughs> overseas
3: viewer. Remember doing that? Tell us about Tommy Talks. Yeah, do yourself a favour and don't look it up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Tommy Talks. I was probably before my time. I reckon. I was gonna yeah. play, I'm going to claim that it was um, before social media had really kicked yeah, off. It really was. And, uh, yeah. Players were sort of having a crack at doing their own thing. I don't. I don't know where we come up with the idea, but. Yeah, we, we decided to do a little segment with the media team and the mm. digital team where I'd sort of go and um – interview fellow teammates um fair to say it wasn't received overly well by the older heads in the team um <laughs> some of the boys i think snake was looking over saying what are you idiots doing yeah. <laughs> um, this you know what put your head in um but we ended up getting a few good ones you know was a bit of a laugh um i don't think the content was all that good but it was uh it was certainly a good time
1: i remember one we've uh down there at uh the chicken shop down there freshie <laughs> and they were just sitting outside two blokes having a burger talking footy beautiful yep.
3: See, so I think, uh, you know, I was taking the piss a bit before, but um, ahead of our time, if you went down there now, you'd have to, um, the uh, chicken shop would have to pay you, you know, a fair wage to get your plug like that. <laughs> That's exactly right. Back then, you know, I think we got a free burger and chips, <laughs> yeah. and we said, all right, we'll come do, the, yeah. we'll come do it here. Spiro, yeah, Spiro the chicken shop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Good man.
1: But uh, now, mate, uh, some of the toughest teammates, obviously we, we talk tough in terms of size, strength. Uh, you look at Jeff Tuvi, obviously one of the toughest players to ever play the game for his size, but toughest teammates you've played, with or against Who or some opponents like if you got hit by someone who was the one person you feared the most out there mm. like from different teams it's probably a few that fit into the category. Um
3: Mark Bryant would have been one of them back <laughs> in those <laughs> yeah, days. Yeah. I, I was lucky
2: for me I'd gone overseas so Tommy couldn't belt me. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, I think Skivvy Matt I obviously yeah. um playing alongside him, the, the the number of big hits him and, and, and Georgie Tafur in that same category as well. Um that day at ANZ when he whacked Dave Tyrrell. Oh, um flying off the sideline. I was I was there. I I don't know. I felt sorry for him, but um that was massive. a uh, couple of other tough guys I played with probably um Jared Wire, Hargraves. Mm. The Roosters. Um, he's still, you know, going as good as ever and the leader of their pack. But he was like that from a young age, pretty fearsome. I uh, enjoyed the challenge of playing against him too. But it, he was right up there. And even when I got to to Manly, um, someone like you know Jason King. Um, who was at the back end, but still just put his body on the line, um, threw himself into it. I think he was getting held together by strapping tape by the end, and he just absolutely put his body on the line for the boys.
2: Funny thing was, we're actually Kingy came um, down for a couple of beers at the pub as well, and we're sitting there with with Ruben Garrick and and Tom, just having a beer at the Brookvale Hotel, and we're telling stories about how. Kingy, the nicest bloke you'll ever meet, like, and the Legal Eagle, you know, he's he's got he's got diplomas, he's got everything, you know, university educated. But as soon as he crossed that line, you did not want to mess with Kingy, you know. He's the only bloke that I saw take on all four Burgess brothers and come out on top because he just went at him. Was at Central Coast Stadium, but just such a great bloke to play with though, because he would just do his job and he would just do whatever he had, whatever it took, you know. So yeah, big big hunchy, big Kingy.
1: Now, when you left uh, the Seagulls in 2016, you uh, went to England, the Super League, Huddersfield Giants. Tell us about that.
3: Yeah. So the Super League thing was something that I'd always considered. Um, even when I was young, uh, there was a chance, um, as I said before, uh, when I first come to Manly, there was even a chance that I could have had a, you know, a one-year stint over there with a deal to come back. And I considered that at the time. Anyway, it didn't come to fruition, but it was always something that I wanted to do in 16 when the opportunity came up with Huddersfield. um, It just seemed like the right time for me. I needed a bit of a refresh and got an okay deal to head over there. So it was certainly something that I wanted to do. And that probably um, made the transition a lot easier because, you know, I went over with a decent attitude and and wanted to make the most of it on and off the field. (laughs) Um, So I got there and um, I now look back so fondly. It was one of the best couple of years of my life. On the field was good for about uh, 10 games. And then um, after that, I could barely stay on the field because I I was injured the whole time. But um, off the field, heaps of travel, lifestyle was unbelievable. But I also found that even with all that, I, I still loved my footy as much as ever and wanted, wanted to contribute on the field. And, you know, as I said before, around the culture and the leadership and all that sort of stuff, that was big for me. So I wanted to continue on with that on the field. But, um, yeah, left with some great mates as well, um, not just the expats, but um, a couple of the English guys and their families um, got lifelong friendships. So, yeah, I, I had an absolute ripper of a time and probably would have stayed longer if, uh, if the body had have allowed it.
1: Now, speaking of uh, family and friends, uh, Oz, you've got a nice young family these days post-football. Tell us about Tommy Simon's life post-football.
3: Yeah, so um, life, life's good at the moment, Kazo. Um, I've got a, a beautiful partner, Gemma. We've got a, a young kid. Um, he's two and a half taylor um and we've got one more on the way um during next year so that's great mate family life's different we talk about recovering from the the golf day and weekends that's a bit harder these days but um (laughs) no family life's good mate and um you know the transition from playing footy um fortunately Well, unfortunately, I finished, you know, before I wanted to, but fortunately I had an okay transition. I came back to Australia and, um, and now working with the Rugby League Players Association, uh, something I was really passionate about as a player, you know, so when the time came for me to finish up, I reached out and it was just a, um, a bit of a natural transition went into a role with them now. And I'm loving that. As I said before, it's something I'm passionate about, but I connect well with, I guess, players are probably, um, one thing that I hope I've been okay at is just being a bit relatable to players, Mm. um. You know, I wasn't an elite player on a lot of money, um, but I was around for you know a number of years, um, went to a few clubs, went overseas, experienced, um, you know, things that players go through, whether it be issues with getting moved on or, you know, Earning a salary or injuries to some of the you know better things like playing a bit of rep footy and um you know being around the game for a long time so I'm probably um, able to relate with most things that come up so it's probably one of the strengths but um yeah man I love the gig still involved in footy but developing off the field as well we've got a small team so you, you get thrown a lot and exposed to a fair bit so yeah it's good
1: they do a wonderful job the rugby league players association if, if anything I think the awareness of the association last couple of years especially this year with COVID I think more and more people in terms of fiends or understanding what Tommy and people at the Rugby League Play Association actually do these days because it's such a vital area. You talk about culture, you talk about pressures in life, the courses people do these days, more footballers mm. are doing courses than ever before. And
2: the, and the world's changed too, you know. Like mm. these guys these days, there's so many things out there. Like we talked before, we joked about there was no social media, yep. Um, you know, back when uh, Tommy was doing Tommy Talks. But these days, that's, that's a massive thing. You know, so many other different things out there. You know, unfortunately, society wants to try and, you know, take photos of you when you've had a few beers and post mm. it somewhere because there's money to be made out of it. Whereas, you know, you'll find that, you know, 90% of – of league players are still just down to earth, really good blokes mm-hmm. who are just trying to be be normal, you know, normal people. The players' association does great work these days. Yep. Um, I remember when, you know, when for instance Tony Butterfield came out, and I was at the Raiders at that at that stage, and they were trying to get this thing going, and mm-hmm. it had just been a a mass, massive toothless tiger uh, before that, trying to, you know, the players played a lot of money into and got really got no benefit out of. So what they're doing at the moment is great, I think, giving the players a voice, um, and uh, and really in there, you know, fighting for them for you know for better conditions and, and making sure that everything is above board so it's really uh, important part of things these
1: days yeah well said well Tommy, uh mate thank you for so much for coming in today and joining boxy and i on this golden niggles podcast again congratulations on your great career one of the real gentlemen of the of rugby league like you said uh boxy before and uh, one of manly's favorite redheads too there's been a few <laughs> Absolutely, so, absolutely. You need at
2: least yeah. one per team, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shane, uh, Shane, Rodney, another. You know, oh, although Shane Rodney dies his hair now. Like, mm-hmm. he, yeah, but um, you know, he's young bloke. His young bloke's got fiery red hair as well. <laughs> I got, oh, my, my little boy's got red hair, so I, I love a redhead.
1: Speaking of hair, before we go, what about Chris's Chris Hicks's hair the other day <laughs> at the Golden Eagles golf day?
2: He has been a special for that uh, for he a lot like of Joe years. He looked like Joe Dirt, mate. He, he did. He had the moustache. He's got the mullet flying. <laughs> you know, obviously Movember, and then um, you know, raising money with the, with the mullet and the mullet madness or whatever it is at the moment. But yeah, um, he's looking to treat. He loves to put on a show, Spider, and, and you'll find that before he gets rid of it, he's he, he'll update his license so that it's got that on it. So <laughs> um, he, he's always good for a giggle.
1: All right. Well, look once again, Tommy. Uh, congratulations on your rugby league career. Uh, Sydney Roosters, Manly Seagulls, Huddersfield Giants. Now working the Rugby League Players Association. 65 games for the Seagulls from 2013 to two, 2016. Always remember that memorable try like we touched on earlier down there against uh, the Panthers. So, Tommy, keep up the great work,
0: mate. Always a pleasure to see you, and
1: thanks for joining us today.
0: It's because I appreciate it, mate. Yeah, Eagles. This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly Media Partner ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Seagulls on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Oh, For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seagulls.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Warringah seagulls official podcast channel.